Big news today. Well, actually over the past week, but it's been odd the way things have uh, played out here. Couch Potato Radio, Derek Hansen with you on the Mighty 790 KFGO. Tank McNamara producing and Sestos from Twins Daily is with us. Well, this has been uh, quite the, what, uh, six days or so for the Minnesota Twins, Seth? Yeah, this is the craziest thing I can remember. I mean, you hear rumors often, but I mean, this one's just been all over the place. But thankfully, or I guess, um, yeah, I guess thankfully it's done. And uh, we've got another starting pitcher. I think that's pretty reliable. That is the key, right? And I know a lot of fans, myself included, I mean, boy, I really liked what I saw from Gratterall. But, you know, to get something, you got to give up something. That's just kind of how it goes. Yeah, I mean, you know, you always want to be on that side of the deal where you think you just rip somebody off, but that's just not how it works. The front offices are too smart, things like that. And, you know, it's got to hurt a little bit to get something that's going to help you, especially with the Twins now being in that win-now type of a mode where they're the ones getting veterans and giving up prospects to get them. Seth, as a guy that follows the, the minor leagues like you do for the Twins, where did you have Gratterall graded out in, in five years? What what would you think he'd be for the Minnesota Twins if he, if he was still here? It's a good question because when I saw him a couple of years ago in Cedar Rapids, I immediately wondered if I should have him as the number one prospect in the organization. Uh, I saw a starting pitcher with three potentially very good major league pitches. Um, I think the biggest concern with him is, is the injuries. He had Tommy John four years ago, so that's not a concern right now. But the fact that he missed three months last year with a uh, shoulder issue, I think I fully understand why the Twins see him as a reliever. Now, that said, he could be an elite closer. You know, he's got that kind of stuff with the 102-mile-an-hour fastball and, and still the slider to go with it. And, and he's still got a change-up, so... I mean, he can be very, very good if he can stay on the mound, and, and then I certainly hope he does because, you know, baseball is better when great players play, and he has the ability to be that. I did go into the season thinking to be like the next type of Chapman, you know, start off his career maybe being that seventh, eighth inning guy, and who knows, a closer someday. Uh, but it sounds, I mean, does he want to be a starting pitcher or does, I mean, is that how the Dodgers envision it? I know the Twins started thinking starter and then into the bullpen, and what do you see his future being? Well, I think even the Twins were mostly going to push him to the bullpen because they, you know, he only pitched like 70 or 75 innings last year total, and you don't want to have a young arm. He's still not even 20, well, he might be 21. Um, Year-old go from 70, 75 innings up to 150. So I feel like they probably were going to start him in the bullpen, and I'm sure they still had visuals, visions of him being a starter at some point. Um, but that may be a couple of years. So I think the Dodgers probably see him in that same way, and you, you hope he stays healthy and could become a starter. It sounded like if the Red Sox were going to hang on to this deal, they wanted another top 10 prospect from the Twins. Were you hearing any names being floated out there that would have fallen in the top 10 for prospects? Yeah, I mean, the names you hear, and, and so hard as we've learned from all this that you kind of have to be careful with what you what you start throwing out there. But, you know, names like Jordan Belazovic, who is, in my opinion, the Twins' best starting pitching prospect, his name was thrown out there. The Twins certainly said no to that. Um, you know, names like Brent Rooker, um, maybe even Ryan Jeffers. I mean, you hear a lot of these guys that are back end of the top ten. 
they certainly weren't going to give up the Royce Lewis's, Alex Kirilov, Trevor Larnick, Joan Duran, or Jordan Belazovic to go along with Gratterall. Um, so I, I just I thought it was crazy for the Red Sox to ask for that. When you look at uh, you know going into what we're going to get with Medea here, I mean, and you know he's not one of these top line guys that we think about as far as getting paid thirty million dollars a year and you know, the Garrett Coles type of thing. But as far as being able to help out win games, I mean, where do you put him? And this is, he's probably going to be the third guy behind Odorizzi and Barrios right now. Yeah. And I think, um, I think that sounds right. But if you look at his numbers, um, kind of overall over the last few years, he's right there with, uh, Jose Barrios. I mean, he, he's got those kind of numbers. His strikeout rate's incredible. Last year in 153 innings, he had a hundred and, 69 strikeouts. He's always been a strikeout guy. Got a really good uh, fastball, two-seamer. Gets a lot of movement one direction with that, and he's got a really sharp slider. Um, I mean, he's he's legit. He's really good. And, and, no, he's not Garrett Cole, but, you know, there aren't very many of those. So no. you just bunch up the guys that are like Barrios, like Odorizzi, like, uh, like Maeda, like, um, you know, Michael Pineda, the way he was pitching right before his suspension last year. And and certainly Rich Hill has been a guy that's done it like Maeda has in the playoffs. So, I mean, there's just so many reasons to like this pitching staff. They may not have that number one, but they've got a lot of number twos and very solid number threes. And with this lineup and this bullpen, I mean, that may be, that may be enough. Yeah, you you mentioned the number one. I was just going to ask you, if you got your last $100 and the Twins make the playoffs, is that game one starter on our roster right now? Um, I mean, I think yes, but the reality is that they've really just traded a Gratterall among their top prospects this season. They did get the $10 million from the Dodgers in this trade, um, so they certainly have the prospects and the capital uh, in terms of dollars to go get someone at the July deadline. Guys that aren't available right now as the season starts and teams have high hopes, by June and July, maybe uh, some teams are out of it, and the Twins could, uh, you know, they could match probably any team's uh, offers for any pitcher. So I don't think I would say they couldn't jump in on any of those if someone becomes available. Um, but at the same time, I'm, I'm good with uh, Barrios, Soderizzi, and, and Maeda, along with Hill and Pineda. Who would be a couple guys to keep your eye on uh, as, as we go through the early parts of the season and if their team isn't doing well could fit well with the twins yeah I mean there's a lot of guys that are in the same category like uh, you know John Gray uh, from the Rockies or Robbie Ray from the Diamondbacks their names have been mentioned this offseason if those teams were to fall out maybe um, Herman Marquez is the guy with the uh, Rockies as well who might be a step above that um, and he's signed for a few years as well. Uh, he might be someone who takes that next step this year and becomes that kind of a pitcher. You hear Matthew Boyd's name from the Tigers often. I'm not real high on him as much as a lot of um, analytical types might be. Um, but, I mean, there are some pitchers. That, but at the same time, are they going to be better than Barrios, Odorizzi, Maeda? Um, you know, I mean, Verlander's not going to probably be available because I'm guessing Houston will be good. The Yankees staff isn't going to be available. Uh, maybe Chris Sale, although he's about as scary to go after as as uh, <laughs> David Price would be. So, I mean, there's a lot of names I just threw out there, and it, you know, like Maeda, it may be someone that hasn't been talked about at all yet. 
Is Sale, I mean, that's an interesting story because when he's good, he's good. Does he just need a change of scenery, kind of like Price? or? I mean, in both of their cases, they have bad elbows, which is always a lot of, uh, a lot of concern. Uh, Price had three years and $96 million left on his deal. I think Sale's got, you know, four years and even more money left on his, and, and he missed a ton of time last year with injury, and I think uh, you know, he had by far his worst year. So, yeah, it's, there's a lot of reason for concern, but at the same time, I mean, he's Chris Sale, which means he's really good. He, he's just hitting that wrong side of 30 that, um, you know, can scare teams, especially with his build and with his uh, whip-like action and his delivery, uh, and now the concerns with his elbow. Um, you know, that's that's scary, but he's the kind of guy that if he's on, he could take you to a title. Seth Stowe's with us from Twins Daily, twinsdaily.com. Derek Hansen, Tank McNamara, Couch Potato Radio here on KFGO. You know, I think this is the interesting part of it because if you're a guy like Randy Dobnik, if you're a guy like Devin Smeltz, you're like, shoot, you know, they went and signed all these veterans, they made a trade, it's going to be harder for me to break through to the major leagues. And I liked what I saw from both of those guys. I mean, what do you think could happen there? Injuries always happen, I guess, and you have to step up, and maybe there's opportunities in the bullpen. Certainly for Smeltzer, he looks like a good lefty of the bullpen type of guy as well. Well, and right now, I think the only lefty out of the Twins bullpen is Taylor Rogers. You know, I mean, he's obviously the closer as you go into the year. It wouldn't hurt for them to have a second lefty. Uh, Smeltzer, Lewis Thorpe could fit into that equation. Um, you know, Blaine Hardy, they did sign a few others. Uh, but, you know, the start of the year, Michael Pineda is going to miss a month and a half due to the rest of his suspension. Right. Rich Hill won't be back until June. So you've got Julius Chassin who they signed, and he's a veteran who's had a good career until last year, so you take a flyer on him. But Dobnik, Smeltzer, Thorpe should all compete for that fifth spot um, in the twin starting rotation to start the season. And then, like you said, injuries happen, weird things happen. Uh, it's never bad to have a good sixth, seventh, eighth, or ninth pitchers, uh, even if you only use five at a time. It's great having that depth. It's something the Twins have not had to this level for a long time. We talk a lot about the uh, the hitting lineup is is going to be unbelievable and it'd be awesome to hit in it. But a lot of these young guys have troubles with consistency. Putting a couple good seasons together, who would be your biggest concern in the in the lineup this year to not putting up a season like they did a year ago? I mean, a lot of guys had really good years. Um, you know, maybe. Uh, and I, I'm not saying he will. I think, I think the obvious one is, is maybe a Mitch Garver, who's now 29 and really had not played enough previously to know whether or not his uh, silver slugger season of last year is repeatable. I, I certainly think it is. I'm most encouraged because a lot of these guys that had good years, um, you know, I don't think anyone else had years that are so far out of what could be expected that I would expect a huge regression. Um, you know, but that said, there's going to be some, um, you know, the ball might be different. The bats might be different. <laughs> all of that's going to play in. Uh, but the most, you know, the arise through Garver, these guys are all 22 to 29 other than, uh, Donaldson and, and Cruz and Marwin Gonzalez. You know, it's a pretty young team still, uh, in that core. And I, I think there's a chance that if they can stay healthy, they're going to, they're going to put up a similar season. And it doesn't hurt you're going to see pitching, or good pitching, because you can't really go around anyone in this order, right? Man. 
No, that's just it. I mean, I would love to have to put this lineup together and try not to offend guys by hitting them too low. It's very possible that Silver Slugger winner Mitch Garver in his 31 home runs from last year hits eighth in this lineup. Eddie Rosario had 32 home runs and 110 about RBIs last year. He could hit seventh or eighth. Uh, Byron Buxton, when healthy last year, had a tremendous offensive season. He'll bat ninth. I mean, this is just an, an incredible lineup. Yeah, it's weird how Buxton just seemed to fit well in that ninth position. Like going up with the first, I mean, a simple thing being the first at batter, not so much, but he more or less is like a leadoff hitter after they turn the lineup over. I mean, what an advantage. Yeah, I mean, in reality, and it's kind of cliche, but a leadoff hitter only leads off once. Right. And that's why it's not as big a deal as, as people think. You want your best hitters to get the most at bat, and that's why you push guys toward the front of the lineup. But, I mean, Luis Arise. You know, I mean, I know he came to Fargo for the winter caravan. Uh, I saw him in Thief River, talked to him a little bit. I mean, it's just he had 330 as a rookie last year, and he could bat eighth or ninth, too. I mean, it's it's just incredible. You, you hope that they're able to maintain it. And either way, it's going to be a lot of fun. Are they going to keep Kepler at leadoff then? I don't know. I mean, I think to me, Arise just fits the profile of leadoff right. hitters so well. Kepler doesn't, but. I mean, Kepler exploded last year. I mean, he would have had 40 home runs if he wouldn't have basically missed the last month. Um, it's hard to think, you know, of wanting to move a guy who had that kind of success, take a little pressure off of her eyes maybe. I mean, Garver did a nice job in the leadoff spot against left-handed pitching. Yes, he I, did. I, basically, yeah. I, think, I think to summarize, uh, Rocco Baldelli is going to have some options and he can mess around and give guys days off because the bench will be good too. And, boy, it's going to be hard to go wrong. It, it was kind of funny last year, looking at the lineup, Kepler was the leadoff most of the time, but then you'd see him in that seven hole. <laughs> you know, it's like, how many other teams can do that, bat their leadoff guy in the seven hole? Yeah, and like I said, Garver did pretty much the same thing. I guess he could go back to, uh, you know, Kent Herbeck hitting fourth for the Twins against right-handed pitching in 91, and I think he hit seventh or eighth against left-handed pitching, so... But that's the nice thing. I mean, you know, you think of Tom Kelly as old school, but he certainly wasn't afraid of platooning, as we saw often. So, uh, no, it's just – and Baldelli's going to use that information to the to the to to their advantage. How much do you think – I mean, we talk about going back to pitching a little bit. How interesting is it going to be to have a guy have to face three batters? I mean, that, that is such a weird quirk now and such a game-changer in baseball. I I'm not no, I don't really know if I like it. We'll see how it, you know what, what it's like when it actually comes to fruition here. Yeah, I'm I'm an advocate for trying to improve pace of play. Um, I don't know if this is it, and I think teams are going to have to adjust to it. Um, obviously, if an inning ends, they can make a pitching change if a pitcher hasn't pitched to three batters yet. Sure. So they may try to do it with two outs more often than not, but. It's going to be interesting to see how managers choose to uh, to do that throughout the, throughout the course of a season. Yeah, to me it's just more about – I've always believed it's kind of more about just keeping the pitchers to work quicker and also throwing strikes and calling strikes that are close. Does that make sense? I mean, I think if the strike zone's bigger, you either got to take the bat off your shoulder and you swing and miss, you swing and hit and put in, in play. I mean, it just seems kind of simple. That's that's what Tom Kelly and I always have talked about whenever I was down talking to him about that. Yeah, I mean, so I think, Derek, if I'm hearing you right, you're advocating that electronic strike zone so that more pitches are called strikes, right? Uh, yeah, 
<laughs> Let's do it. Well, I would say. Why not? Didn't you think that the the inconsistency of the strike zone was about as bad as it? I mean, it got to the point I had to listen to the games on the radio because if it was close, I it would drive me crazy. I just think they need to give the pitchers the black and then some sometimes because guys are up there and it makes the game the most boring part of the sport to me is a walk because it's not leading to like Maury Wills on first base anymore. You know what I'm getting at? It's just, it's, it's just a nothing play right now. And it leads to throwing over to first a couple times for no reason. Unless you got Buxton on the first, then it's fun. It can't But even he doesn't feel because he'll score in the doubles. So um, there's no sense in, in letting guys take the risk of being caught. I, I guess my point would always be, and Justin Mornoa stated this on telecast as well. Um, the hitters just need to know what the strike zone is. They'll adapt. They'll adjust. But when it's game to game and inning to inning, you don't know what's up. <laughs> and to be totally fair to Umps, when it's coming in at 100 miles an hour, it's hard to see whether it hit the black or not. And moving. And some of these, yeah, these sliders and stuff, I mean, how do you know if it hit just a little corner? Um, you know, they're not perfect and they shouldn't be perfect, but we now have the technology to call it perfectly. So are you in favor of it then? I've changed my mind, and I, I am in favor of it. Yeah, now. I kind of am. Uh, I am too, actually. Yeah. As long as they've got it, you know, set up so that it's it's running perfectly, you're not going to, you know, have Bluetooth hot software system or something, and it goes out for an inning, and now you're, Oof. you know, I mean, there, there's definitely things that will have to be fixed, but it's so, good to see they're they're thinking about it. I would say if the company that is in charge of the Iowa Caucus app is in charge of Major League Baseball strike zone, probably not a good no. avenue, right? No, that would not be good. <laughs> you stole my joke. I was thinking the same thing. We'll review that, but we'll get back to you. In a just, just, just stay where you're at. Don't come off the field. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's the Do other. You still, you still keep an ump behind the plate, though, right? Yes, and, they, and it's pretty much in their ear, right? Yes. Yeah, in fact, they tested it out in the Arizona Fall League. They've used the Atlantic League, the independent league out east, um, as a test run for it as well. And, and to mixed results, um, hitters aren't always sure anymore what's a strike. Um, things that haven't been strikes ever, like drop, you know, uh, split fingers or whatever, are suddenly being called strikes because they hit a little bit of the corner. So it's it's going to be an adjustment. I love they that. Go that direction. Yeah. Do the players, would you say, like it then that have used it in, in these leagues? You know what's funny is I think fans like it, and I think some hitters like it just to know what the strike zone is. But for the most part, when you hear pitchers talk about it, they don't want it because they do want to be able to work with um, the human element of an umpire and being able to get a little bit extra. Um, catchers love the ability to frame pitches sure. and, and you know, use that to their advantage. And that is kind of the uh, the fun part of the game. But, uh, you know, again, it's the same game, however it's umped or officiated. So uh, I think whatever decision is made, people would just uh, accept it and and uh, ad- adapt. Yeah, for sure. Seth, this has been a lot of fun. Do appreciate it. We'll check your stuff out at twinsdaily.com. I appreciate it, guys. Thanks for having me on. Good to talk to you. You bet. Always good to talk with Seth Stowes. Again, Twins Daily does a great job, bang-up job. All the guys do at twinsdaily.com. He is an expert if you're curious about the minor leagues and what they have going on in their farm system, whether it be Rochester or down in 
down in uh, Pensacola, whatever it might be. It's very intriguing stuff, that is for sure. Derek Hansen, Tank McNamara, CBS News update coming up for you shortly. This is Couch Potato Radio on the Mighty 790 KFGO. It's never too early to talk Twins baseball.